0: And the the body's extremely clever. It will tell you if something's wrong, and it can tell you by causing you pain. And yeah. if we apply ice to that, it has been shown to have a very powerful anesthesia effect. But we don't really want that because then we don't actually know what's wrong. We can't feel it anymore. So we're not going to protect it in a way had we not put ice on it and had it still been pretty sore. Break it down. Break it down, Break down like this. <laughs>
1: and welcome to another Kiwi Running Show brought to you by Tempo Fitch. My name is Hayden Sherman and with me here in the bright
2: warm Auckland sunshine is... Hey Mishmicha man, it's actually Daylight Savings has kicked in Hayden, so yeah. actually the sun's kind of going down, it's a bit overcast, you've talked you've talked it up, but the <laughs> weather's not that great. How are you handling it and how is it affecting your training going into this premature winter? To be honest, my, my body's falling apart, yeah. <laughs> really, it really is falling apart Um,
1: as you know I've got the sinus problem yeah it's given me migraines now it's got to yeah so the last week I've almost mileage has gone rock bottom
2: related Um, to this Hayden yeah you've cut your hair yeah surely this has had a negative effect on your health (laughs) yeah it's true I usually try and grow my hair a bit longer for the winter what's going on this is the shortest I've ever seen it like you have in the past had real hippieishly long hair and you're looking comparatively respectable. So is this the <laughs> wife has made you do this? or? Well, it's my six-monthly haircut. Yeah.
1: It starts about six weeks after I get a haircut. I'm like, oh, I should go and see,
2: see the barber again. Mm-hmm. And then... You just hold yeah, out. Yeah, it takes a few months. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Do you feel like there's any relationship between optimal hair length and running length of course because we're John Walker obviously is the most famous proponent of the longer flowing hair yeah yeah Nick Willis likes to short. keep it short in fact I think he was shaved in Beijing when he won his silver so yeah. you know do you have any thoughts there Hayden? Um, yeah I mean you've got Hamish Carson Yep. He's got longer hair, Julian Matthews. Yeah, it just looks quite dramatic when, particularly running at speed, to have the hair flying out the back. It's true, but maybe it's a giveaway that you're not running fast if <laughs> the yeah. hair's just straight down. Did I ever tell you that I grew, like, actually, like a pretty serious rat's tail at one really? stage? Yeah, and I, well, we're not even talking, like, when it was cool. Like, I was <laughs> i was old. I was, like, 28 years old, and I just wanted to have that feeling of some hair floating out the back, so I just did this extended, like it was long hair, and then I just kept that patch and it got pretty long, and I was actually modelling myself after an American marathoner called Jerry Lawson, who... Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to be a huge fan. I've got to train with him, and I was like, oh, I want to be like Jerry Lawson and have the little, you know, uh, rat's tail. Yeah, well, you don't want to get your neck bent when yeah. you're out there running. It's, oh, it's it was, important. It skincare. I used to kind of almost, like, plait it, like, put it in little things, and it would just, oh, really? just bob about back there. But then um, I'd stopped... Uh, running seriously and it was still there and it was just like had become a fashion statement and then i got my first um job offer and uh my future boss uh brought me into his office and uh i signed the contract and slid over to him to sign and he said uh before i sign this you need to go out and shave that bloody monstrosity off the back (laughs) of your head and i was like ah like i just did what you did laughed and he was like no go go now yeah shave it off so I literally had to go and go to a barber and get it shaved off quickly. Came back, showed him, and he signed the contract, and and I got my job. I feel like it's discrimination, but exactly. Yeah, th- this was America, so he got away with it. Yeah, so. yeah, wouldn't happen in New Zealand, I tell ya, yeah. but. Things that do happen in New
1: Zealand is a bunch of running races. So we're going to recap. Unfortunately, people may have noticed we didn't have a show last week. I was, I was down um, with this illness.
2: Yeah, and I'll be honest, a cyclone like, happened. You you texted me, <laughs> and like I was I was literally like. Like, writing up the text to be like, Mate, we should just miss it today. We should just miss the show this week. I don't want to leave the house. The weather's so shit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Sorry to all those really faithful listeners that we uh, missed the show. Sorry, Mum. Sorry, my brother, Hedley. Uh, sorry, Brad Barron. Sorry, your wife. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, we have we have more than half a dozen listeners, yeah, I'm yeah.
1: sure. No. Um, so, news. News. Let's, let's dig into it so yeah. um, let's cover off the Australian champs first of all which was the not this weekend gone but the weekend before and really there's two big big points that came
2: out from it I'll say three three you go, you, you go one I'll go one you go one sure okay so, oh, do I go first? Yes. Okay, so Joseph Miller doing the double.
1: That's He's done the double-double, so the New Zealand champs obviously yeah. won the one and the two there and then goes over to Australia. And I think that was the first time he's pulled off the double there. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the rules are over there. Whether um, I imagine they hand out a different medal to yeah, people from international. Same,
2: same as what we do in New Zealand. So you get a visitor's medal. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they purchase... Visitors' medals you, Yeah So okay. It's cool Sweet. It's cool You get a medal But There's still The Australian champion Behind him Yeah that, That's the person Same Yeah So we do that here Except for The people who come to ours Don't tend to win As much yeah, I mean, We, we yeah. tend to beat them So yeah. yeah It's
1: interesting I feel a little bit Sorry for The guy who came second in that the photo that he shows the sponsors, he's yeah. getting out in the, on the line.
2: or it could, but, yeah, it could be. You know, you never know. That person's career might peter out after that, and that's their crowning achievement, Aussie champion. Yeah. Uh, but this bloody <laughs> Kiwi <laughs> came over and beat me. And normally Kiwis, like the Aussies, have been great sprinters. They've had a sub-10 second sprinter. They've had yeah. a really great Olympic medal-winning 4x100 teams, and then uh, they've had great relay teams, yeah. eh? Yeah, yeah, and obviously Kathy Freeman. Yep. Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, female sprinters probably better than the male sprinters. So, yeah, they've yeah. done really well. Come so. on, Australian guys, yeah. pick up your game. So, <laughs> it's, you? it's, it's unusual that a Kiwi went over and beat them. So, yeah, yeah. Joseph Miller won. I'll come in with two. One that right. I almost missed. Tori Peters is a javelin thrower female oh, yeah. javelin thrower and yeah, I've yeah. given a lot of love to Ben Langdon Bernal uh, because I know him and I just want to do a bit of gender balance Tori Peters threw a new New Zealand record of 56.74 whoa yeah so it's getting out there you know she's still shy of that Commonwealth Games and World Championship standard but she is progressing towards that so I just want to drop in that name Tori Peters I think she actually yeah. now lives in she's from Otago originally I think she now lives in Aussie but uh, keep keep an eye out for that name Tori Peters um, do you, any idea what the standard is what she's got to throw Oh, I think she's got to go 58-50 or something oh, like so that so she's
1: she's pretty close so it's not like she's got to go 60-something and, no yeah
2: no I yeah yeah But 60 is a good sort of um, indicator of world-class levels. Yeah, yeah. You know, and she's progressed rapidly. So progressed from being a, you know, low 50 thrower to this in the past two years. So that's some really good progress. Very cool very cool and third highlight Hayden go third highlight has to be the, the pole vaulters so
1: our famous pole vaulting team from the north shore of Auckland uh, how many medals was
2: it was it five in total or four golds? four gold medals wow yeah so just went over and absolutely dominated and again this is funny because Australians have it's been a great pole vaulting nation Yeah, um, exactly World yeah. record holders on the women's side with Melina George Men's Olympic champion
1: yep. hooker.
2: With, Yeah, hooker, Steve Hooker who's married to a, a girl that I used to run uh, with in the States Who's actually a drug cheat So <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's not go down that road But yeah, so they've, they've got a great pole vaulting heritage um, But we just went over and caned them So yeah. yeah, Get Up Athletics New Zealand It's really good stuff so, yeah, excellent. I remember a few years ago,
1: Australia Athletics said something like, oh, we need to focus all our attentions on pole vault and race walking because that's what Australians are <laughs> best at. <laughs> um, and I just remember thinking it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah. Um, and, like, it shows, if you've got a good coach who's really passionate about it and finds the right kids who yeah. are passionate about it, yeah. it'll just take care of itself. Yeah, like, it starts yeah. starts lower than, yeah. than that sort of
2: top level let's specialise in one event and yeah, yeah yeah, it's a dangerous road to go down because yeah uh, yeah you then end up funneling people into events that aren't ideal for them yeah you know imagine if we just said oh yeah we're going to focus on race walking and, and all of our 10k and marathon runners we just made them switch or, or strongly encouraged them to switch to race walking it just wouldn't work culturally nah. each event has a little different culture and Often, results will rest on uh, coaching or groups or even individual athletes. That then can't you can't expect to replicate that around the country, especially in an international market. They'll they'll pay the coaches to go to other countries. So yeah, yeah. yeah you, you've just got to be smart. Put your investment where it's going to work. Um, but. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, I think there's. Uh, it's a high risk model to throw all your eggs into just a few baskets. Yeah.
1: So. so speaking of eggs. Not sure if this is a good transition or not. Um what's next on the the
2: highlights from that weekend? Mate, uh one that stood out for me was our old mate Oscar Ingster Baines um smashed the Southern Lakes half marathon in Wanaka. Did you see this time? It's all the way uh down the bottom. He ran 65:33, which is pretty solid. I heard he went through 10k in about 30 minutes flat or just under. Really? Yeah. It's a like We've talked about this, and and we've had him on the show. Uh, he he's he's uh, was really generous in giving us uh, some time for an interview. Out of any of the current uh, guys who are running marathons in New Zealand, he far and away has the best conversion from his 5k, 10k, half marathon to the marathon. Yeah, yeah. A lot of sure. guys do that, you know. They double it and then they're adding 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. Oscar's, you know he's right there on that where the conversion should be he's uh yeah and it's it's pleasing to see him run you know these sort of slick times for a half marathon he desperately i know we'll want to get that down lower but pretty good running this time of year so awesome stuff and then on the ladies side uh not too bad either with hannah oldroyd running 123 21 so nice cool look like a pretty competitive half marathon as well with a few people 111 113 yeah for, um, for new zealand standards it's not bad and look we tend to i you know wanaka you don't you think of Wanaka as a running mecca? There's no track. Yeah. There's not really a particularly uh, there's not a club that jumps out to me or anything. So yeah, it's 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 pretty good good stuff. Makes a good excuse to go
1: to Wanaka though. Yeah. I I I'd, I'd definitely do it. We also had the Fenua Pai half marathon, um, which was running like stinking hot. Muggy conditions. We did a group run that day and it was like running in a sauna. Oh, um, wow. And yeah, Daniel Chen won in 122, and then in the ladies, Marissa Rota uh, won in 127. Wow. So yeah, and a lot of people ran sort of four or five minutes lower than, than their best time. Yeah, than their yep, best time. Yep. So. Hey,
2: look, and um, uh, some amazingly uh, awesome results. Early in the collegiate track season, a um, couple of the Kiwis really smashing it over there. Um, I'm going to pull out a couple of 10K results. Have you seen these, Hayden? Yeah, yeah, yeah I have. Yeah, so Matt Baxter is a name we've mentioned a lot. He had a great cross-country season for uh, University of New Mexico. Is that him? Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, no, yeah. Northern Arizona University. He's up at altitude at Northern Yes, Arizona. that's right. Yeah, yep, yep. thanks for that. So he finished 14th at NCAA cross-country, and we kind of postulated at the time what that was worth for a flat 10k and it uh, turns out it's worth about 28.48 because that's what he ran at the Stanford invitation for. Awesome, so pretty good running puts him I think that should put him in the frame for World University Games yeah, if, he, yeah. if he wishes to yeah. go so and um, also the probably the uh, better performance, although it's slower. Craig Lautenschlager, who you know just wasn't anywhere near that standard uh, for cross country, ran 29 flats for 10k. That's a that's a pretty significant awesome. jump down for him. So a guy who in high school was running kind of 8:30 for 3k, you know, to now be running 29 flat for 10, that's that's good, really solid progression. And there's no reason to. Uh, to doubt these guys have the ability to go to the next level because the progression is tracking exactly where you would expect it to for them to be kind of good international level long distance runners so yeah i'm incredibly excited about those two
1: yeah absolutely man um craig should have dipped on the line eh? Get yeah, under that twenty nine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he was like, ah, oh, rats, right, that yep. that point five of a second. Um, but yeah, anyway, great great running. Um, and his brother Jared's over in the states. That would be his brother, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. So the Lorden family is is you know one of the preeminent uh, distance running families in yep. New Zealand. Out of Nelson. Yep, yep. Um, who's the young fella who uh, we've grabbed a couple of interviews with him because he's he won the junior three k and all sorts of stuff. Um, Oh, I feel terrible. Yeah, Pray. you've caught me off, yeah, off guard. Anyway, yeah. so great running family, three brothers who are all super quick. Dad was a world-class runner uh, for the USA back in his day. I ran at the University of North Texas. So, yeah, good to see them all uh, doing well. Yeah, very cool. Now, let's move on to the weekend just gone.
1: Um, and the, the big race at the weekend was... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are you talking? No, pass, the, pass the mic on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny as you say that because I'm looking at the Athletics Auckland 10,000 meter championships, oh, yeah, which yeah. were not the big race. And uh, look, uh, I look, I run a bit with Simon Yarrow, and he's a top top bloke. He often runs past when we're recording the show. Yeah, uh, he won the uh, Athletics Auckland 10,000 10, meter champs uh, in 35.29. It looks like a grand total of three starters and three finish is all male in that event so you know it begs the question why is athletics auckland running a 10k championship or or if they're going to persist in doing that can they put it at a time or, or run it in such a way that it would attract more people because yeah or give more notice or something yeah
1: because
2: yeah. there would be 20 guys who could do that as a tempo run yeah um yeah at least so uh, so is and you know, are these guys just not interested in picking up Auckland titles, or is there some communication and and event management issues here?
1: Yeah, I, I would say it's a, I'd say it's a communication thing, because yeah. to be honest, if I had a bit more. Um yeah, heads up. I, I probably would have just done it as a training run. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Nice little I, 25 laps of the track. Yeah. I run. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I remember picking up the Wellington 10K Champs in the, the weather bomb that hit.
2: Oh.
1: And it was me.
2: The 2010 a, weather bomb? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember in about uh, May... June? No. Oh no! It was in March. Okay.
1: And yeah. no one, no one was at the track, so they decided to run it early. And we had one guy in the M80 division, one girl in the um, under 16s, and then one guy in the under 20s, and me. So yeah. we were all starting on the start line, winning the Wellington 10K champs. Um, and yeah, that was my first centre title. Yeah. And then a few other senior men arrived when we we're at
2: about the 5k mark and they they were a bit dark that we'd already started. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, that reminds me. One day you have to get me to tell you my story of the New Zealand secondary schools uh Track and field championships and how I missed out on my uh, title through some skullduggery in Christchurch, <laughs> but that is a story for another day. Okay. Uh, what else happened last week? Yeah, well, I've um, just
1: spied this news from the Wanaka Sun Marathon. This is this is phenomenal. Sam yeah, Rifford.
2: Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, Sam Refford when, when at the Wanaka last, Sun Marathon. Before you get me to give us the time. Yeah. When was the last time we heard from Sam Rifford? When he
1: came up and. Two two legs in the the Rotorua, um, Eckerdyn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he came up and ran for, um, was it Sports Lab or maybe... Something like um, that.
2: Yeah. But but in terms of a competitive marathon or half marathon result, I know he's done some off-road stuff, but he hasn't done anything like this in a long time, right?
1: It's crazy. Like... Uh, the time is so good that I'll, I'm almost like, why didn't he save it for a bigger marathon yeah, and, and run well, a bit faster? And let's
2: give some background. So Sam Reeford got a late start to the sport, coached by correspondence by Barry McGee, and he's run a 2.17 or a 2.18 marathon before. Yeah, it's certainly around that, that yeah, range, yeah, yeah. 2.16, 2.17. So, you know, I will look a, him up. Prodigious talent, lives... In the deep south somewhere, I don't really understand the South Islands, but uh, he lives down there somewhere, and he just—he's done it again. He tends to pop up and and bang out these quite incredible times over, particularly the marathon. So, you know, uh, we won't keep you in suspense. He's run 2:19:56, and as far as I know, this is the first marathon or half marathon he's done in a good couple of years, right? I thought he was done. I thought he was off the radar. Yeah, so yeah. the last the last I actually had heard of it was when we interviewed Barry McGee and Barry McGee mentioned that he had had injury problems and couldn't handle the consistent mileage and I was like, well cut his mileage so he can bloody run. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean this this it staggers me. Two nineteen fifty six out of nowhere. Yeah, it's and he won. Run. He won by half an hour. Holy
1: shit. <laughs> so um it's a Absolutely domination. Um, great run. Yes. And who, who won the ladies there? Was it Katie Luke
2: in 331? Three, so, I mean... It's not a big... Let's be honest, it's not a, It's not one of the top uh, ten most prestigious marathons in New Zealand, yeah. is it? Uh, uh, to be honest, I've never heard of it. I mean, <laughs> I, we should, I guess, look it up to see if it's maybe it's first year or something. But anyway, great to see. Hopefully he'll consider... Either building up for for Auckland, or maybe he's looking at having a crack at an international. Because surely, if you can, you know, two two nineteen out of nowhere, I'd like to think he can go quicker. Uh, I've heard for the Commonwealth Games, they're they're kind of asking for two eleven, so that's a that's a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, maybe maybe you can look at a world half marathon or something like that, I don't know. So All
1: right, here's his yeah. best times, two sixteen at the Christchurch Marathon that's, in yeah. twenty fourteen and yeah. he's got a one oh five half marathon so, at Gold Coast. Twenty
2: fourteen, you know, I'm getting old so I lose track of time, but that's that's a long that's many a year ago you know so yeah yeah, it's cool cool to see him back on the scene and hopefully we'll see more results like that uh, in the months and years to come interesting of the
1: rankings he's only got a 1450 as his best 5k and uh, that's some pretty solid conversion
2: yeah sounds like a typical Barry McGee trained runner (laughs) like super strong tons of endurance uh, you know just an an aerobic beast but uh, maybe not so uh good Not on so the speed speedy. side yeah yeah so very interesting i tell you what uh, there was uh, uh, an event that's close to our heart down in the uh in the mighty hora Fenua. The Great Forest events uh, marathon and half marathon.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. That's and that's initially how we made contact with one yeah, each other, one that. another, was through that event. Yeah, many years I, ago. I ended up writing a little training
1: blog for you guys and coming along, running the race. It, it's awesome, like running along on pine needles and soft, yeah. soft sandy,
2: gravelly yeah. um, roads through the pine forest. It's if, nice. If you feel like you want to do some off-road running, but actually aren't. Keen on running up hills or doing anything challenging? Yeah, the Great Forest Events is the perfect starting event for yeah. you if, if you're looking to maybe just explore off-road running, or you know you lo- you want to run a fast time, but maybe your your body struggles pounding the concrete. It is it's a pretty cool event, and as always, uh, really competitive this year. So uh, in the, the men's marathon, Ariana Nariwa. In 259.19, so under under three hours. I've never heard of that uh, person, no. so that's pretty impressive. Um, and then on the women's side, Karen Gillespie, 338, uh, beating Ingrid Frost. So mm-hmm. uh, not too bad there. Half marathon, this man wins a bunch of stuff around the Manawatu Wanganui. And he ran 35k the day before, yeah, apparently. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> surprise me. So Chris Sanson winning in 1.11. He loves this course. He yeah. holds. Uh, Pretty sure he holds The marathon record He's Ran like a 239 marathon On that course But uh So 111 for the half And he beat Brian Garmin Sway And uh Niam McDonald And then uh The women's winner Kirsten Foley So uh, pretty good running because there always is good running at the Great Forest events it's one to consider putting on the calendar for, for next year uh, yeah. and it's in a little town called Waiterere Beach which uh, is uh, I was going to say it's famous and then it popped into my mind the most recent news to do with that which I won't mention but
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> it's next to bit. well my in. my parents live up the road so that's the other oh, thing really? it's famous for yeah Yeah. 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 Cool, so it's cool. right near my um, it's not my home but it's um where our family Christmases are held so I do a lot yeah. of running around there yeah. um yeah and then we had the exterior rotor race at the weekend and we'll just read through the half marathon results so um in the men we had Tama Christensen winning in one hour twenty and then in the ladies let me just scan up Natasha Richards won the the open ladies in 139 but she wasn't actually the overall winner because the overall winner was from the master's division um johanna otterson in 129 so yeah, yeah
2: solid run from johanna yeah really solid and tama christensen used to be quite a good triathlete so good to see him uh, on the running scene a few other um results just to quickly run through uh before we do uh, a training talk and then wrap it up told on a half marathon plenty of Banter around this one and the old old man of New Zealand running Craig Kirkwood takes it out in 1 12 18 pretty sure that takes out the men's uh, 70 to 75 world record for the half marathon uh, and and huge embarrassment for Kyle McDonald who's trained by Craig Kirkwood getting uh, soundly beaten by two minutes so Kyle you need to sort your game out uh, is that his main coaching technique just hammers his yeah uh, his, <laughs> it's probably it's like charges boys perfect time for a tempo run yeah. uh, <laughs> the day before the race <laughs> yeah look Possibly the bigger news was multiple uh, national uh, running champion and Zadipik 10,000 metre champion Jess Ruth making a bit of a mini comeback running one seventeen oh nine for the half marathon. So, and look, nice. sneakily in third place, Kath Cheatley, who's a former New Zealand cycling representative. Uh, and, you know, she's she's definitely in the master's grade, one thirty-one oh eight. So I love seeing that uh, transfer of, of cycling over to running and, and stuff. So, so, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, saying so, so much stuff in the states, we're not gonna hit on any of that, but literally, there's like dozens of Kiwis racing in the states right now. So, if you want to check that out or any other results jump on to the athletics new zealand website uh, or check out uh, the link to that is on our show notes
1: yeah on tempofit.org awesome well we're going to jump to an interview on the great debate on well to be honest it's been a very one-sided debate for uh, the last few decades on icing after you've had an injury um that's the accepted practice rice it Rest, ice compression, elevation, but the ice component is very
2: much uh, lacking in scientific support. Yeah, so it's increasingly come under uh, scrutiny. Uh, It's kind of one of those. Uh, accepted conventional wisdom Things that, that We've stuck with For many years So yeah. I am i wasn't part of this interview I'm really interested To hear it So uh, Let's hear it let's, Yeah
1: let's We'll jump it. over to Emma Mackey And just as a bit of background On who she is She's a Former um, Top level runner From From Scotland And she's now um, Now a triathlete um, But also a physiotherapist um, And she did her masters In um, In this Ice Thing So all of her research was, was on this this I study. So we'll cross over to Emma. Break it down. Okay, so on the phone today we have Emma Mackey, who is a, a physiotherapist based out, of, based out of West Auckland. But I'm assuming with that accent you're not originally from um, West Auckland. Welcome to the show, first of all.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks, Hayden.
1: Yeah, and, and whereabouts are you from originally?
0: Um, I am from a little town called Sturton, which is in Ayrshire in southwest um, Scotland. Oh, nice. Very
1: cool. Um, and, and have you been based over in New Zealand for long?
0: Um, yeah, since 2009. Um, I was only meant to be for a year, came over with a bag and a bike, but <laughs> um, somewhat developed since then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's definitely an easy place to... Um, to stay a little bit longer, for sure. Now, um, give us a little bit of background with your, uh, first of all, sort of your athletic sporting interests. Um, I know that you have a bit of a tendency towards triathlons, but when when did that kind of start?
0: Um, well, I used to be, when I was at, at uni, I was, um, I was a track runner and cross-country runner up to um, international level, represented Scotland a, a couple of times. Wow, awesome. Um, and, yeah. and What
1: sort of distances?
0: Um, um sort of three k, five k on the track, and then yeah. the good old muddy cross country. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that. It was it was good fun, but um, unfortunately, I took a little little bit too far and got a little bit too skinny, and I wasn't very well for a few years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I got over that, you know, tr- um, athletics really wasn't an option for me. I didn't want that stigma attached. Um so I found out about triathlon and I, I couldn't be too skinny to do triathlon because I needed the muscle to swim bike and run so exactly kinda...
1: you, you just sink in the water don't you <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I still can't swim very well but I've definitely <laughs> you know I've got a bit more weight about me now so um so yeah so that's kind of how I found triathlon and, and and got into it that way
1: yeah sure now I I should probably dig into that because I know a lot of people do uh, with running they kind of think well light is always better but um that's not true is it there's certainly a point where um where things go backwards pretty pretty quickly with your with your weight isn't there
0: absolutely I mean I think you know distance runners are definitely lean mean machines but and and I as I got leaner I did get faster but then like you said I got to that point where I just started taking you know massive steps backwards you know the girls were standing there in shorts and t-shirt or shorts and a vest and I'm standing there in hats and gloves and and you know t-shirts and leggings just trying to keep warm you know (laughs) It, it was very detrimental to performance so I didn't go anywhere fast after that
1: yeah absolutely cool well um And did your interest in sport kind of give you that interest to get into the physiotherapy world?
0: Yeah, I think I've always, um, sounds a bit creepy, but I've always had a fascination with the human body and, and, you know, in particular, you know, looking at, you know, at the Olympics and always been fascinated by, you know, the the ultimate human being and the ultimate human performance. So I think I kind of, the interest grew from there and how I could, you know, help these people sustain that or, again, even improve that performance.
1: Yeah, very cool. Now, it's definitely something that more people get into running, the more they're they're thinking about their bodies more. And, um, yeah, there's a a lot of runners in the the world of physiotherapy, that's for sure. Um, Now, give us a um, a little bit of a background, because the main reason we got you on the show today is we wanted to talk about the our current practices of icing when when we've got some sort of an injury. Um, and you've done quite a bit of research and work in the area. So um, to paint the picture, shall we just give our listeners an overview of what's the kind of accepted practice at the moment for icing?
0: Okay, yep. So at the moment, I think we all know the term Rice, so rest, ice, compression, elevation. Yeah. Um, for an acute injury in particular. Um, so from from that, um the, the guy who actually coined that term um is a guy called Milgram. And he actually came out in twenty fourteen and said that um his his rice regime was actually wrong and, and, wow. and that it would be very detrimental to performance um, in terms uh, of muscular recovery. And when did he originally
1: uh, come out with the rice?
0: I, th- I think it was sort of the early eighties or even earlier than that. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. 100% yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, it, it, it kind of went un- unnoticed. It, like, mm. you know, this is quite a profound statement that, you know, Absolutely. right, you know, <laughs> is being deemed wrong by the person who wanted it to be right. Yeah. And no one really took notice to it, so I was like, "Well, you know, let's dig a little bit deeper here and and see what we can see what we can find."
1: Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's basically like Einstein coming out 20 years later and saying, um, "General relativity, probably not."
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Wow. So, and from that, that sparked a a journey of study for you.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I was doing my master's degree down at Otago University, and um, I needed I needed a research project. Um it, ethically I knew it was going to be difficult to, you know, if someone's injured to withhold a treatment that's not not going to go down well in the physio world. So that's why I kind of looked into doing more of a literature review and a search of the literature yeah, um, sure. yeah. to see if people had already done stuff yeah. and then accumulate the results together.
1: Awesome. And how many papers or studies were there on on this icing thing
0: well i read a lot and um, (laughs) a lot of them were rubbish yeah and a lot of them um didn't quite follow the path i was looking for so i got 37 articles in the end that were relevant or semi-relevant to to the topic of to cool or not to cool yeah yeah um so yeah and 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 most of them were on rats um, because once again but you know to withhold treatment from patients or to cause injury to patients deliberately in order to to carry out a study again is a bit ethically sideways so yeah uh, a lot of the studies were done on rats um yeah so it was a little bit tricky but you know there was certainly enough evidence there
1: awesome cool
0: and um
1: what was the the general kind of conclusion that you came to out of all that
0: the general conclusion was that um for an acute mus- muscle injury if we apply ice directly um not only do we ex- so if we ice it and then you know sometimes you know you might ice it and then go and finish your session or run back on if yeah. we do that we're we're twofold likely to re-injure ourselves because we've frozen all our nerves and proprioceptive mechanisms yep. So our reaction times are slowed So we're exposing ourselves to further injury or potential risk of more harm Wow, um, and also we can delay that muscular recovery by up to 48 hours Yeah, by wow. by icing the area we're effectively putting up Mount Everest and you know It's yeah. a brick wall a big brick wall that blood can't get through and you know when we experience pain our brain goes oh that's sore better go and have a look so it sends blood flow it sends these mechanoreceptors It sends Scaffolders down to see what's wrong and start the building process to to you know to iron out those collagen to rebuild collagen fibers But yeah. if we ice there the, the blood flow can be occluded by up to 70% Therefore that those little sca- the scaffolders can't get down to start fixing the issue
1: Wow yeah, I mean, it's the, the classic thing you'll see on any rugby field or soccer field around New Zealand on a Saturday morning. Someone pulls up with a with a hammy and they slap a bag of peas on it. And yep. um, I guess the thing is that it feels better, doesn't it? Um, And then you feel like, okay, the pain's diminished. I'm okay to get back into it. Um, But that's not necessarily the the truth of what's going on at a cellular level, is it?
0: Exactly. And the the body's extremely clever. It will tell you if something's wrong, and it can tell you by causing you pain. And if we apply ice to that, it has been shown to have a very powerful anesthesia effect. But we don't really want that because then we don't actually know What's wrong? We can't feel it anymore, so we're not going to protect it in a way. Had we not put ice on it and had it still been pretty sore,
1: yeah, wow. No, that's um, it totally makes sense, and it's sort of one of those things that is like, well, why don't we (laughs) already do this? It's kind of um, it seems so obvious when you put it in, in that state. Um, so like for the acute injury, say you're running a trail race, you've twisted the you've twisted your ankle stood on a root and um you're lying on the ground in a bit of pain someone's put some ice on your your ankle and you're you're feeling a bit better after 10 minutes or so um what you're saying is we shouldn't actually get back up um running um is that kind of what you'd be saying in that situation
0: Yeah, I mean, you've obviously, I mean, I've I've got no lateral ligaments left. I can roll my ankles and think, oh, that's a bit sore, but I'm able to to carry on. So I suppose you have to judge how severe an injury it was. But if ice has been applied and then you jump up and go and toddle off over the trails again, you're brain to ankle the messaging system is slowed down because it's hit you know you've numbed that area so the nerves have effectively gone to sleep wow Um, so instead of the body going oh i'm on a stone i'm rolling and trying to correct itself yeah you don't actually realize you've rolled until you're probably on the floor going whoops what just happened yeah
1: sure yeah absolutely um no it's it's definitely like i can really see it for the that kind of sudden um, acute injury. Uh, w- what about for the more chronic um, conditions, like you've got this Arch- Achilles pain, it comes in, it's just sort of mild um, when you're out there running, um, but you come back and slap a bag of peas on it after each run and it, it feels a little bit better afterwards. Is, it, is that the right way to go? Or, or again, is it just delaying that recovery response?
0: That's a, it's, it's a really... It's a really tricky one because for that one that, you know, the damage is there, it's obviously not, it's not healing. I think that's yeah. another area of research that, that needs to be looked at. But I would say, you know, if it was if it was a really chronic knee and it was red and hot or if it was, you know, like a gout stuff, red, hot and and angry, yeah. I would be more tempted to say, yes, that's where we take the anti-flams and that's where we apply ice to calm it down because it's clearly not happy yeah uh, sure. so i think those more chronicy conditions it's more a management and that management comes through the ice and anti-inflammatories okay. but certainly an acute injury you you want a fix you want it fixed asap yeah. and ice has shown to delay that so we have to make a more of an informed choice around what we what we choose as our treatment
1: yeah, awesome. Now, before we move on to um, any guidelines that people can um, or alternatives to icing, um, can we go through the rest of the rice components? So, um, uh, obviously, rest we might get to shortly. Um, yep. But what about compression and elevation? Do they still apply and um, how should we kind of use those two?
0: Yeah, well, I've I've kind of come up with a little thing in, mnemonic if you like called it walk. So um yeah. what I was thinking is you want to warm it yep. and load it and compress it. So walk oh, if you cool. like. Yep. Um so yes compression absolutely has its has its place. and um, you want to encourage venous return. So compression yep. obviously designed for that. It's obviously if you have a green stick fracture and bones sticking out everywhere, it's probably not a very good idea to load it. But <laughs> If it's you know, if There's you can a certain
1: line where <laughs> this
0: line that yeah. doesn't need to be crossed, yeah. But if it's you know, a, a pulled calf or or a hamstring, you know, if you could put a heel wedge in your shoe or even wear a pair of high heel shoes for the ladies, just to load it but offload it if you like, yeah, just to yeah. you know, because again, a little bit of loading encourages blood flow.
1: Awesome. Um,
0: yeah. So I'd say that, and 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 the elevation, you can do that while you're resting. Again, it encourages venous return if your foot's above your heart. It's going to pump faster um, and that's going to encourage more blood flow, venous return, getting rid of the, the yucky stuff and, and chucking in the new stuff.
1: Yeah. So by that you mean sort of pumping the blood away from the muscle and yeah. it creates that flow of, of blood yeah. through the tissue. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's very good. So walk, um, what was the W again? <laughs>
0: so warm warm yep. and load compress.
1: Yep. Awesome. Now, shall we talk about that that walking so you're, you're kind of saying that the active recovery is actually a really um really smart way of um of getting over that that muscle fatigue
0: absolutely within yeah. pain-free boundaries definitely sure. yeah so it should be nice and easy and gentle like a spin on the bike or a swim yep. or even a, a, a walk something like that absolutely
1: yeah very cool um because I know a lot of our listeners will, might do big long weekend runs where they come back pretty, pretty shattered. Um, <laughs> and I guess the, the, the go-tos would have been put the compression tights on, um, kick back and relax for most of the day, maybe put your feet up on, a, um, on the wall, um, maybe do some sort of icing. Um, what would you recommend sort of the afternoon after a really big weekend run or, or even a race to, um, to just promote that recovery i
0: would um get your compression leggings on and and take the dog for a walk
1: yeah cool yeah awesome and 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 so that'll help with the warming obviously with the uh, with the leggings and and the activity um and then yeah obviously mobilizing it um awesome oh that's that's very cool and so sw- swimming and cycling, um, so that just spinning on a bike with with little resistance, that would also be um, a, a good thing to do for runners.
0: Yep, they... definitely. It's low loading, but you're still getting that um, venous return. You're still getting that blood circulating. Yeah, brilliant. Now, if we do have that occasion
1: where um, where you're, you're out on the trails, you, you've twisted your ankle and it, it's really sort of swollen, aside from going, you know, going to the physio to get it sorted um what's kind of the the usual like get back to normalcy um for a, a minor minor sprain like that would it would that kind of involve the same sort of get walking get moving
0: um yeah you you want to encourage normal behavior so um yeah. so that those nerves you know those nerves are telling you something's wrong which is a good thing but you don't want them to stay switched on for too long because you want to start healing um yeah. so a little bit of normal walking, you know, if you can even get if you can't manage that on land and even getting in the pool and getting that muscle memory of some aqua jogging going, oh, yeah. um would be really, really beneficial um as well. So it's more a graduated return to loading. So you might swim, you know, do some aqua jogging for a bit, then you might go onto the cross trainer, then you might hit the treadmill, then the grass and then onto the road. Oh,
1: so just very that cool.
0: yeah. graduated loading.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Now that's some really good advice. Now we do uh, we do have to talk about this because ice baths are becoming this um, they're becoming very popular and sort of amongst um, pop culture they're kind of one of those fads that are um, going around the world at the moment cryotherapy and all that what what's your kind of views of doing that cold water immersion?
0: Um, I wouldn't do it. No. No. Yeah. Again, you know, after a race or a really hard session. You know, you need that recovery and you need it fast. And again, if you jump into 10 degrees water, you're just you're just blocking all those natural recovery processes from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're also using more energy because you've just jumped into freezing water. Your brain's panicking. Yeah. going, Oh, my God, I'm freezing. Yeah. yeah. And it starts to have to work harder to try and find that homeostasis in your in your blood system again. Yeah. So you're, wow. You're wasting energy and preventing recovery. So does that
1: mean sitting in the hot tub um, spa bath or something is actually the better option?
0: I mean, definitely. But if you're, you know, if you're 32 degrees outside, the last thing you want to do is jump into (laughs) a 37 degree spa. Um, So I would suggest, I mean, yes, jumping in 10 degrees water will make you feel better. You'll cool down. But the best thing would be to crank on the air con, shut the door, get a fan on and just sit and, you know, put your compression on, get your legs up the wall or get on a spin bike and and just have the room freezing cold and and just let your body find its homeostasis naturally rather than enforcing it.
1: Yeah, very cool. Uh, That's, um, that's good. And definitely, um, definitely wise advice. And (coughs) I think with um, so many opinions out there and ice baths becoming this, this thing you've got to do, it's, um, it's good to get a little bit of clarity about it all. Um, Any, uh, parting advice you'd want to give to our listeners um around recovery
0: yeah i I think for athletes it's it's more now about what i 'm trying to say is i'm not saying rice is wholly wrong all the time you know post if you 've just had an operation on a you know on your knee or your ankle let 's face it you 're not running at the weekend, so yeah. ice is okay there let 's get rid of the pain let 's get rid of the inflammation that's that's fine but what I'm trying to say to people is, it's, let's think about it. Let's not just break something and think, oh, ice. You know, yeah. that's not always the option now. We've got to sit down and think what we want to achieve from the treatment that we're going to apply.
1: Yeah, very cool. Awesome. And um, yourself, what's uh, what's happening? Are you still doing triathlon? Are you still still competing and any races coming up?
0: Yeah, um, I've just snuck in slightly mortifyingly to the world masters games i've hit the 30 and apparently 30 you're supposed to be old enough to do the masters now so i'm gonna (laughs) sneak into that one in a couple of weeks but um i just need to get over this lovely little cold that someone on an airplane gave me at the weekend but i'm sure that'll that'll go in time
1: oh awesome and you'll be doing the olympic distance triathlon Yep,
0: yep, Yep. i'll do that definitely
1: cool well i hope it goes well and i hope the cyclone doesn't um uh, come through during the middle of the masters games, but i think I think it should come through before that so
0: definitely hopefully and i'll also be um i'll be physioing at um the trust stadium for the athletics, so if oh, any brilliant. of the yeah. kiwis or any other masters around the world i'll be i'll be um in the in the dugout doing some physio in the mornings there, so i'll hopefully see see some of your uh, listeners there
1: brilliant and I'm guessing you won't be the one with the chili bin full of ice
0: yeah definitely not <laughs>
1: yeah. awesome. Well, um, and oh, and if people want to uh, want to get in touch with you, in particular, um, follow up with um, getting some physio treatment, uh, whereabouts are you based, and uh, give your uh, clinic a bit of a plug?
0: Thank you very much. Um, I'm at Hobsonville Physiotherapy, which is um, it's on Hobsonville Road in uh, West Harbour Way. Brilliant.
1: Well, thanks again for coming on the show, and um, yeah, all the best for World Masters.
0: Thank you very much, Hayden. Much appreciated. Break it
2: down, Kia ora and welcome back. So uh, good interviewing there, Hayden. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great work. Um, and we hope to line up many more interesting interviews over the coming months. If you have any ideas or if you yourself think you'd be a good story, as always, drop us an email. That email address is krs at tempofit.org and in particular we really want to hear from people who
1: have really turned their life around by getting into running like might not be particularly fast but discovered it yep. maybe lost lots of weight maybe had a big um, life change because of what what running sort of brought to their life so those sorts of stories um, we really want to hear from people because often it's hard to, hard to dig them out
2: you can't sort of just look through the results yeah, sheet and see it so yeah. it's, um it's funny and it's not until you uh you ask someone and start to dig a little deeper that some of this amazing stuff comes out so yeah. you know yeah please be brave and and drop us an email because uh we we are interested in in creating that community and, and sharing those stories so yeah Look forward Absolutely. to hearing from you. Now, uh, I thought we'd just carry on for a very
1: quick training talk about uh, what other recovery techniques we use. So, she had the walk, um, the w- the walk strategy. So, I w- <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I just did the <laughs> um, the interview this morning. Walk was um, anyway. People who just listened to it will remember. Uh, but. Hamish, what are some of the recovery strategies that you use with
2: your athletes or that you've used with yourself in the past? Um, Two huge... The two hugest ones, and one uh, is quite hard to do, and the other one is resource finance dependent. So, uh, first one, nap. Yeah. Um, I think napping is uh, a better performance enhancing drug than EPO or steroids or anything like that yeah. the the evidence around um, the hormonal effect of having a nap and, and how that can help you recover from your training is pretty solid um, and plus it's just a good way to live your life, like some yeah. people use the term nana nap, I prefer the term lifestyle nap, lifestyle nap. so um, I'm a huge fan of napping and like both the athletes both the kind of uh pre-elites if you will athletes that i coach are kind of students or actually one's one's just a bit of a bum um and so they i make them nap it's in the program they have to nap yeah um, because it's a really great way to maximize their their training effect Uh, and then the second one is massage um which is resource dependent so uh, up until very recently, neither of my athletes were doing any massage except for self-massage, yep. uh, and now I've just got a little scholarship from one of my uh, athletes, uh, and so he's he's uh, joined the Athlete Recovery Lounge, which is here in Auckland. We should put a link in the show notes. It's run yeah, by, yeah, uh, by Paul, Hamlin. Paul Hamlin out of Sports Lab, and they have you know a few different modalities that you can use to help your recovery from training, really well utilized by, like, um, MMA fighters, triathletes, a few runners, cyclists, all sorts Uh, Keegan, uh, the athlete I coach has joined mostly because of the, am I saying it correctly, the pneumatic boots which are these huge massive sleeves that you slide onto your legs and then zip up and they fill up with air pressure and essentially give you a little uh, a big massage in your legs and you can have them for your arms and stuff as well but uh, Keegan just uses the leg ones and so that Replicates basically a bit of a massage um, I think I think that's what's happening So yeah. those are the two uh, big ones for me And if I had to add a third I'd say nutrition I've seen in the athletes that I coach the oh, I used to have a terrible diet And I've seen in athletes that I coach The difference that quote unquote Clean eating makes yeah. Just staying away from anything too unnatural uh, and, and just eating really good healthy natural food yep. um, hey I've seen huge huge benefits for that I don't know what as, the, as far as performance goes yeah yep. yep. uh, ah so yeah no recovery yeah recovery just yep. yeah purely recovery and feeling better in between sessions so yeah. how you fuel your body and I don't think you need to really delve down into it and make sure you drink you know 500 milliliters of chocolate milk and you know, 20 people. Sorry, we got rudely interrupted there. So, y- you were saying... Um, so, yeah, clean eating, huge. Um, yeah, and just helps with a lot of stuff. Like, um, this is all anecdotal, which I hate to share anecdotal um, evidence because it's not evidence at all. But, you know, I've, I've had uh, feedback that people, you know, my athletes are sleeping better. Yeah. They're just have more energy during the day and there's no need to i don't like getting really delving down onto a micro level and like you have to drink 500 milliliters of chocolate milk and you have to eat 10 broccoli at every meal you know i think if you just everyone knows what a healthy clean diet looks like yeah even though that's not a particularly accurate term everyone kind of has a vision of that basically colourful plate of of yeah. different vegetables
1: and um, carbohydrates yeah, and proteins yeah, yeah, and yeah. and fats yeah yeah
2: so that's that, I think uh, that's huge but I understand like I don't do that so yeah. not, I don't I <laughs> don't want to guilt trip anyone for not doing that because I like pizza and nachos and beer so yeah, yeah. you know maybe just uh Try and make up for it by eating a few more salads if you can. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll, I'll give people my my go-to afternoon uh, for after, say, a, a long run, Sunday morning long run. Um, and it re- very much does replicate what Emma has just, just said. So chucking on some compression tights, um, keeping active throughout the day, so going for a couple of walks during the day. Um, and then also... Um, doing some spending some time on the foam roller chucking the yep. feet up against a wall elevation um, so yeah it, it's yep. just a few different techniques and you can incorporate it into your day really easily um, I try to get afternoon naps but it, yeah it can be a challenge now we have got a two year old Yeah, I'll lie down on the couch and her thing is to come and just lift up my eyelid and poke
2: me in the eye <laughs> 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 so that <laughs> it's That's not hilarious. ideal now what about look this is quite high for lurching so what about in the real world so the vast majority of people listening to this will be working forty plus hours a week and then fitting in their training around that yeah. how can How can the average uh, person like that maximize their recovery from training yeah, what's yeah. the what What would be the one or two really big things that they could do?
1: I would definitely say if you're sitting at a desk, get up from it every half hour so yeah. every time the phone rings, stand up um make excuses to go get a fill up your glass of water um put things on the other side of the room that are uh, hard yeah so something on the other side of the room that's gonna make you force you to get out of your seat and go for a little walk um and i'd also say if if you work in a bigger uh, workplace they usually have a sick bay and um you probably have a three o'clock afternoon tea, so rather than going to get your coffee or I don't know, checking Facebook on your um, on, on your
2: computer, just go and have a nap. Yeah, the optimal nap time they, they well for brain activity is apparently less than half an hour. Yeah. So in that kind of magic fifteen to thirty minutes. Yeah. I, yeah, I I it know. Might I, be pushing it at, at uh, afternoon tea time then. So I just, maybe. I couldn't take a nap at my well I guess I could if I got really creative but I'd just I'd feel guilty I would feel guilty so yeah get up stretching hydration all that good stuff heading into these winter months we tend to stop drinking water and we we stop eating salads and stuff so it's a really good time just for the next couple of months to focus in on some of that stuff uh, to see you through
1: Yeah. yeah I think that's a, a potential topic for a future podcast because um, I think our workplaces are not geared around very healthy lifestyles. So like,
2: all of our offices should have spaces for naps, is that what you
1: say? Well, I think they should incorporate um, the ability to have good food Um, So places to store store food that's not going to get eaten
2: by your workmates. And number one thing, number one, it should be a workplace health and safety rule, is you're not allowed to heat up fish in the (laughs) workplace. Like, who are these people doing this? This is, yeah... Um, but also ability to be more active
1: So um, actually encouraging staff to take longer lunch breaks If they can, yeah.
2: fit it around their work and go out and exercise I was impressed the other day to find out One of my friends is a town planner um, And uh, there's actually um, uh, planning stuff now To where a new, new buildings that are workplaces Have to plan for end of journey um, facilities, oh, yeah. showering, and all that sort of stuff. Oh, awesome! So, That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've worked at a couple of places that didn't have that, and it's yeah. just cut out that active transport option. Yeah, um, yeah. which you know, I, I mean. Uh, if I had my way, I would just live approximately 10 kilometres from where I worked, and yeah. either, you know, if I was feeling really fit, I'd run, yeah. or run if not or bike, yeah, yeah, run or bike, or you know, run one way, bike the other, bike run, run, bike, yeah. you know Bus um, back or something, But yeah. if you're working somewhere that does and doesn't have uh, great uh, end of journey facilities, showering locker rooms, all that sort of stuff, then psh, it's just out. Yeah, No one wants absolutely. to be that stinky guy in the office. Yeah, well um, that's us for the show, thanks for Tuning in, everyone. We will be back next week. Happy days, enjoy your running, and we'll catch you then. Ciao! Break it down! like it down! it down, down! like this